sometimes it's really quick and sometimes you eat something you're allergic to, you get itchy and it's easy. We know what the relationship is, but there's a much more nuanced relationship between food and skin. And I guess that's where most of my work and research lies. For example, for a group of people who have acne, milk, particularly low fat or skim milk, can trigger breakouts. And the root by which that happens is very different from the root by which milk might trigger eczema. So the way that your skin can react to certain foods is very different. Well, that is the voice of Dr. Thivi Maruthapu, the UK's first and only dual qualified dermatologist and nutritionist. So she is exactly who we need to hear from to learn how and what to eat and how it affects our skin. I'm Liz Earle and this is the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all to have a better second half. And you're probably here because you know that I'm on a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and wellbeing being today and that includes ways for our skin to age well too. Do you know the skin is our largest organ but I wonder how much thought you give to what it's actually made of you know how we're fueling and protecting that organ. Over the years for me I've come to realize that what we eat and the supplements that we may choose to take can all have a massive impact on the way our skin health from sorting out issues such as my own eczema to warding off the visible signs of premature aging, skin wrinkling, sagging and the like. And so with this in mind, alongside better health, obviously, I now eat a diet that's much higher in protein. I take omega-3 fish oil supplements alongside the capsule version of collagen. So what else works? to keep our skin radiantly glowing. Well, Thivi's pioneering expertise bridges that gap between diet and skin health. She works in the NHS, as well as having her own practice in London, and she's often invited to give keynote speeches for healthcare professionals on the subject of nutrition and skin. Now, she's written a book for all of us called Skin Food, Your Four-Step Solution to Healthy, Happy Skin, published 22nd of June, so very timely. And if you are a subscriber to the Lizard Wellbeing magazine, you might already have read the brilliant extract that we are publishing in the current edition. Go and grab that if you haven't already read it. Well, we are bombarded, aren't we, with lotions and potions to save our skin. But should the first step in our skincare routine be the food that we eat? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oh, Sophie, welcome. It's so good to have you here and actually to bring your words to life. As I mentioned, you're a current contributor in the Lizard Wellbeing magazine, so thank you for that too. Thank you so much, Liz. It's amazing to be here. I'm a huge fan of the magazine. Oh, well, bless you. Thank you very much. And I'm so looking forward to this, obviously, having had a background, you know, with a skincare company in a previous life. And it's been a sort of a lifelong mission for me to find ways to age well and to have healthy, glowing skin that doesn't have any issues, you know, no problems with it. Can we kind of start really, I guess, with talking about what the skin is? I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's been described as our largest organ. 
what exactly is it doing for us? So that's a really good question and one that people don't really ask me that often. They're much more interested in what's the result? How can I get this result? But actually, as you say, understanding exactly what the skin is is so important to knowing how to look after it. So our skin is the largest organ. It covers the entire surface of the body and it's primarily composed of three different layers. And those three layers really do quite different things, but they all work in synergy with one another. You have the epidermis, which is the outer part that we see, and that's just about, you know, just a few millimeters thick. And then we have the dermis, which is the thicker part underneath the epidermis. And this part is where collagen sits, elastin sits, and all that structural components of the skin that give it resilience and bounce. And beneath that, we have subcutaneous tissue, so fat cells and things like that that are normally present under the surface of the skin. And so those three layers really are what make up the skin. And presumably its main function is, apart from kind of keeping us all together, otherwise we'd leak, but, you know, presumably it's a kind of protective barrier. It's protecting us from UV light. It's protecting us from germs. It's protecting us from any kind of external aggressors. Exactly right. So it's there to keep out the unwanted. So it's a barrier, ultimately, and we want to protect our skin and its function as a barrier as much as possible. Protects us, as you say, from UV light pollution, allergens in the environment as well. It also helps us to regulate our temperature, sweating when we feel too hot and our little hairs going up on end when we feel cold. So it's really doing an awful lot without us realising. Interesting, you talk about hairs, you know, and hairs standing up on end. There's also kind of an emotional response, isn't there? Because there is that expression, oh my gosh, you made my hair stand up on end. You know, you almost feel, yes. is that a physical thing? Does our skin actually respond in that way? Absolutely. And your skin is a sensory organ as well. Of course, it, it tells you temperature. It's telling you if you're touching something hot or cold or sharp. So it is sensory, but it also is connected with our nervous system in many other ways. So not only does it tell our body what's going on in the external environment, but what we're thinking and our thoughts, just as you said, with the hairs going up on mm. end, can connect directly back with our skin. So there's a bi-directional relationship between our brain and our nerves and our skin. It's fascinating. I'm not surprised that, you know, you've made it your life's work because there's just yeah. so much to it, isn't there? Our skin obviously has this extraordinary ability to repair and to heal itself. We've all witnessed that with being injured and, and having our skin kind of literally renew itself. And it does so many impressive things that we've just mentioned. It often gets judged just by how it looks. And I think as a result, the condition of our skin then can be really tightly bound with the condition of our mental health, how we feel about ourselves how do your patients feel when they come to see you? Well, because of this tight correlation between how we feel and how our skin looks, when people have something visible on their skin, whether that's acne, whether that's scarring, eczema, psoriasis, they have this heightened sense of awareness and need to fix it as quickly as possible. So mm. people come in very anxious Sometimes they're very depressed by the time they get to, to see a skin specialist because they've been living with this visible stigma uh, of having a skin condition for so long. And if you think about it, if you have, for example, heart disease, it's internal. Nobody knows that you have it. But if you have severe eczema or rosacea on your face, it's visible. It's for everybody mm. to see. And that, just that feeling of having people look at you differently, I think yeah. that is the most difficult thing with skin conditions. Absolutely. And of course, every time you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror, you know, you're, you're reminded of that and your, your mood lowers. And I think, yeah, for overall mental health. What's been your relationship then with your own skin across your life? You know, do you recognise your own story and those of your patients? Oh, absolutely. So many of us who work in skin have some sort of story as to why we ended up down this route. And uh, when I was at medical school, I ended up getting quite an unusual skin eruption. And I was really perplexed by it. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll work this one out. I can look it up in a textbook. And I couldn't figure it out. And then my doctors couldn't figure it out. And I ended up being sent to lots of different doctors. And finally, I, I was sent to somebody who specialized in this particular type of skin rash. And it had become so severe by the time I saw him that I was started on quite strong medications to suppress the immune system. Gosh. But yeah, it was, it was awful, but it really, I mean, that was a learning experience like no other because mm. I had lived it mm -hmm. and I knew what it was like to always be thinking about my skin. 
Now yeah. I don't think about my skin much at all, which is amazing. And <laughs> it's, it's the best way. It's the when, best way. When and it just I packs know. On and you leave it alone and it's doing and, the right thing. <laughs> and ex- and that's what people want. I, yeah. I, I always find that people want to forget about it and they mm-hmm. just want to live their lives and they don't want to, you know, the most rewarding thing is if I have someone with acne and it's treated and they say, you know what, I don't even have to think about putting makeup on in the morning. Yeah. That is so liberating. So yeah. I think yeah. just not having to think about it or obsess about it is mm-hmm. hugely important to people. Well, that's the goal. And interesting, you talk about your own issues there with something triggered by the immune system. I guess our skin acts as a bit of a barometer. You know, it's the outward marker of what's going on inside. So what signs then might we want to look out for? So the skin can tell us so much about what's going on inside our body. And I think people often forget, they think it's quite separate from the rest of our body. But our skin is connected to each organ within us. It's We've mentioned already the brain, but it's connected to the gut, to the heart, to the kidneys. You can see skin changes from any different type of internal illness. So, for example, if you had high cholesterol, you might see some little spots around your eyes, for example. Or if you had some problems with your liver, you might notice some changes in your skin colour. It might turn a slightly yellowish colour. Um, so there are lots of clues, even something like anemia, which you wouldn't really expect to show up in the skin so much. But one of the commonest symptoms, if you're low in iron, for example, is that you feel really itchy or that your hair starts shedding. I see that quite commonly in women who have either given birth or they are in that perimenopausal time when their periods are really heavier than they're used to. And it's really hard to keep the iron levels up. And sometimes all they come with is some itching symptoms. When we do the blood test, we find out actually it's the iron that's causing all the problems. Gosh, interesting. And you write in your book that ageing well is an inside job. What do you mean by that? Is it that we do need to really look at our nutrition and and look at what's going on on the inside in order to get that vibrancy on the outside? Exactly. So it's everything together. So it's looking after our internal health, taking our care of our mental health, our physical health as much as possible. And then, of course, looking after our skin on the outside. I think we take that for granted that we need to use SPF regularly and really take care of our skin. But actually, we don't just want to look youthful. We want to feel vibrant. And I know that's something you're so passionate about, (laughs) really feeling your best. Because I think when you feel it, it really does show. Oh, it's it's such a mood booster. And I know that, like me, you're not very keen on the phrase anti-aging. Even yes, when I yeah. had a beauty company back in the day, we, we never used it. You know, I'm very pro-aging. I, I want to age. I know you feel the same way. Why is that in particular? So I, I guess I'm very strongly influenced by my grandmother who, you know, was she lived till 97. She was, you know, vibrant, active. I mean, she had plenty of wrinkles. No one would ever say, oh, you know, she's extra, you know, she looks like a 50 year old, certainly not. But she had it all together upstairs. Her brain was so sharp and she was such an inspiration to everyone. And I, I loved that energy, you know, that positive attitude to aging and just thinking of it as that uh, life well lived. And, and she certainly really exhibited that. And, you know, I think that that is something that is just as important as how we look on the outside. And how we look on the outside is really the focus of most people's um, aims when they're trying to age as well as possible. Absolutely. I mean, I, I see that on social media all the time, you know, particularly to beauty influencers. There's rarely a mention of what goes on inside, which I guess leads me on to my next question. When you trained as a dermatologist, did anything to do with food or nutrition come into it? And at what point did you then take it upon yourself to train as a nutritionist as well? Well, it's a really good question. So it was actually not part of our training at all. And wow. in fact, yeah, not not at all. And, not and it, at it's, all. No. And it still isn't. Uh, most doctors don't get much training in nutrition at all. And I remember seeing people with acne asking me, is this anything to do with my food? And I remember asking senior colleagues, what should I say? What should I, what's the right answer? And they said, just tell them they can eat whatever they want. And so that's, you know, as a junior, junior uh, dermatology trainee, that's what I was told. And it didn't, it didn't sit right with me then, but I thought, you know, there, there must be a reason that I don't know about. And of course, not all acne is to do with food by any means. And some people have very strongly hormonal acne that it doesn't matter what they eat, they'll still have acne. But we do need to think of that as a piece of the puzzle. And it was only when I became a a senior uh, dermatologist that I really started to put these pieces of the puzzle together. 
So at a very top level then, how does the food that we eat affect our skin? You know, you say that it doesn't affect all cases of acne, but it may be implicated in some. Presumably our skin cells, are they acting in much the same way as any other cell in the body? So we need to be giving the right nutrition to fuel them? Precisely. So our skin cells need all the nutrients that all the other cells in our body need for normal functioning and normal health. The key difference is that when we're lacking a nutrient in our skin, you might see some visible signs. So I've mentioned low iron already, but if you don't have enough good fats in your diet, sometimes that can show up as dry, scaly skin, for example. Yes, you're talking um, my language. I love, yeah. love, love a good, good, healthy fat, me. <laughs> and I, well, you're on it because it's one of the things people really neglect. You know, so many people are still fat phobic, but those good fats are so important for skin health. There are internal moisturizers, so to speak. Um, so skin cells need those nutrients and our skin needs needs those things from the inside, not the outside. So it's great to have vitamin C in your skincare routine. But if you don't have a vitamin C in your diet, you will really start to see signs of change. Whereas if you didn't use a vitamin C, actually, it's neither here nor there. Your skin would be just about fine if you were as long as you were getting it through your diet. So I think people underestimate how important it is for your skin to get the proper nutrition it needs to function. So interesting. And of course, when we talk about proper nutrition, I think we've got to cover some of the anti-nutrients as well. So for me, the big baddie, I'd like to hear your view on this, is sugar. And I've heard the expression sugar sag in skin as we age. Is that a thing? What, what is this? So sugar sag is really interesting. So um, when we consume high food with high in refined sugar, we're talking white sugar and, and things like that, um, blood sugar elevation can contribute to a process called uh, glycation of collagen. And when collagen undergoes this process, it becomes stiff, less bouncy, and that can lead to um, accelerated aging appearance. So yes, we need to be moderate with our sugar. I mean, that doesn't mean cutting it all out. I like sweet things just as much as the next person and I still enjoy them, but I'm mindful of them and I try to moderate what I have. Mm. And of course, I think from what I've found is that if you can fuel up on healthy fats and protein first, that kind of helps to absorb that these high insulin surges. And I, I guess that would potentially lower the amount of glycation going on within the skin. Yes. Yeah, so you could have your sweet thing at the end of a nice balanced meal. That would be the best way rather than have it on its own, for example, as an afternoon snack. As when you're snack. better off probably having some nuts uh, and a little bit of fruit if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the other things that people often exclude when they are looking at their skin and that's dairy and gluten. What is the connection there? Do you think there is some merit in that? It's really interesting because we did a survey, myself and my colleague Alia Ahmed, who's a psychodermatologist. So she specialises in the brain skin link. Oh my gosh. And we, yeah, so interesting. And so we did a survey of our colleagues and say, what are the two foods that you notice patients to cut out the most often? And dairy and gluten were up there. Everybody tries to cut out dairy and gluten as a panacea to clear mm. skin. But not everybody needs to. It's certainly not a clear-cut relationship. Uh, in fact, gluten, there's very little evidence that cutting out gluten is necessary for, for example, acne. There is nothing that I've found that says you need to be gluten-free to clear your acne. It can help for some skin conditions. Some people with eczema, some people with psoriasis might see a benefit, but it's not across the board by any means. And the same with dairy products. We know that fermented dairy products have a really positive impact on our gut microbiome. And of course, we need to be mindful of our bone density. And we don't want to cut all these things out of our diet unless there really is a good reason to do so. Mm. And of course, you mentioned that the gut microbiome there. And just as we know, there's a gut brain axis. There's also a gut skin axis, isn't there? Yes, uh, the gut skin axis is a little less well studied than the gut brain axis. But there is a Lots of promising early research that the way that the gut microbiome influences immune function can play a profound role in many different skin conditions. For example, eczema is the one that's been studied in most detail, but also recently psoriasis. And there is a strong link between rosacea, which is a very, very common skin condition, and the gut microbiome. So I think that we're going to be learning a lot more about this. And, you know, this is going to be a really exciting area for future research. Okay, now give me the definitive answer here. Alcohol, yes, yes. or no, is there uh, an impact uh, on our skin? <laughs> I know there is I'm, on our liver, but what about the skin? 
I I really hate saying this, but I think alcohol is one of those things that we've underestimated the effects on skin health. And I think we do need to be more careful than we realize. So I see alcohol as being something that can flare lots of things. Rosacea, we know. Redness and a flushed complexion, definitely you can see flare-ups with alcohol. It's one of the most common triggers. Lots of other skin things can flare up with alcohol. But there are studies that have shown that it increases the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles as well. So it's one to be careful with, I know. But that Mm. doesn't, you know, I like my glass of wine. I like a glass of Prosecco now and again. But it's not something I would have on a daily basis. It's something I'm careful with. How very fascinating. And presumably that is separate from the sugar in the alcohol causing glycation. Is there a separate mechanism that's causing the fine line and wrinkles, do you think? Well, we're not entirely sure what what is in the alcohol that's contributing to that. We know that alcohol, lots of different types of alcohol are high in histamine. And mm. histamine has obviously some effects on the skin, increasing redness and things like that. But in terms of the fine lines of wrinkles, we're not, we don't have much clarity. It could be related to the sugar, but it can be linked even if you're having lower sugar alcohols as well. Yeah, gosh. Well, okay, another one to watch. What about yeah. things like spicy foods? That's um, something I see time and again as, as being keys to avoid. So spicy food is not a problem if it's not a problem for you. So it can be a problem for people who have rosacea, for example. But for most people, spicy food, actually, the the antioxidants and spices are very good for us. And they actually have a lot of health benefits to them themselves. So unless you have a problem specifically with spice, I would say enjoy it. Mm. Interesting. I, I'm very curious about the histamine connection. That's that's a family trait. And, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before. My eldest daughter, Lily, is highly histamine intolerant. Ah. And, you know, I mean, she has lots of autoimmune uh, conditions. So we're very careful and we're very aware of all the histamine forming foods. I know that you don't particularly advocate cutting out entire food groups for everybody unnecessarily. Can elimination diets be helpful, though, in kind of working out what your trigger food might be? I think elimination diets definitely play a role. My concern is that when people kind of have a go and they they guess what, what they should be doing, and I think you can run into problems with nutritional deficiencies and restrictive eating if you go mm. too far down that route without the supervision of someone who really knows what they're doing. And there are so many excellent dietitians out there who could supervise an elimination diet so that you do it properly, so that you cut out the right foods and you introduce them in a way that makes sense so that you Mm -hmm. can really figure things out. Because all too often people land up in clinic and they said, well, I've cut all of these things out and I don't know how to bring them back in. And I'm not sure if they've helped either. And that is something, you know, that with the right supervision, you can really navigate that territory a lot more easily. Brilliant. Well, let's talk about some of those positive effects then. Let's let's tease them out. Macronutrients, for example, and, and can we touch on keto rash here and what that is? Yes, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because keto really, I'm not sure how popular it still is, but it really went through a phase of being hugely popular. And I can see the appeal because I think people lose weight quite quickly when they first start that sort of diet. And this is cutting out all carbohydrates and sugars, isn't it? Very, very strict uh, Mm. reduction in carbohydrates so that you're eating kind of less than a banana of carbohydrates in a day. And you're mainly fat and protein. And I think when you're really going for that sort of diet, you can run into problems with, for example, sort of food phobia, being really obsessive about what you're eating. But intriguingly, there is also a very specific rash which you could get when you go on a keto diet. And it's called keto rash for that name. And it's this sort of itchy, red, spotty rash on your chest. And we can treat it with creams. But if you just eat a little bit more carbohydrate, the rash just vanishes, which is extraordinary. Really? Yeah, it's so cool. I shouldn't really say that, but it is cool. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I, I love that. And I guess that's maybe some kind of inflammatory process going on. Uh, it's making me think about seed oils. There's a lot of chat, isn't there, in the media at the moment about seed oils being inflammatory. What's your view on that in general as a nutritionist and then also specifically on the skin? So I think our main focus should be trying to consume as much omega-3 as possible. I think the concern is always omega-6 and seed oils and the effects of those. But uh, omega-6 in small quantities we do need, but it's really focusing on those healthy fats that you'll find in olive oil, oily fish, nuts and seeds and things like that. Mm. And I suppose more in the the nut category than in the sort of sunflower seed category. Yeah, that's interesting. How how come nuts are okay or sunflower seeds are okay and yet sunflower oil 
is not? Is it purely the fact that it's so highly concentrated and we have much more of it? I suspect it's the way that it's processed because it's also it's difficult for us to eat that much sunflower seeds on yeah. a daily basis, you know, as a deep fried food might contain. Yeah, absolutely. And they're so ubiquitous, aren't they? They are everywhere. I've done oh, an experiment yes. recently where I've taken all seed oils out of my diet. And it's just extraordinary when you read the food labels. And of course, it means that particularly when I'm eating out, nothing is fried, you know, even in a really top restaurant, they are not going to be using, you know, the first only application of extra virgin olive oil, you know, oh, to yes. fry their onions yeah. or whatever, you know, they're using recycled seed oils, you know, even if it's something like rapeseed, which might be slightly better potentially than sunflower seed oil, you know, you are going to get something, aren't you? Do you feel any different? Do you know, it, it's interesting, Thivi, because I'm doing lots of different things at the moment, <laughs> as everybody on my Instagram is well aware, you know, everything from cold showers to having creatine in my coffee, lifting yes, weights, you know, yes, going yeah. to bed earlier, blah, 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 all, all the usual. So it's difficult to say this is the one thing that I would put it down to. But actually, what I have noticed, and I noticed this when I had my picture taken recently, I was doing some cold water swimming and somebody very unkindly took a picture of me from behind, which I wasn't expecting. But I, I did that awful thing where you pinch in and zoom on the picture uh, on my backside and my thighs. And I thought, my gosh, I don't seem to have very much cellulite. And I've always Ooh, had a little bit. Hmm. And then I did a little bit of digging around and there does seem to be a connection with seed oils and potentially also with pesticides and food processing and maybe some theory that the, the toxins, if you want, for, for want of a better word, in our foods that don't get processed are being kind of stuffed away and stored out of harm in little pockets of fat and deposited on our hips and our backside. What's, what's your view? I mean, does, does cellulite exist and, and could this be a theory or, or could, could this be, you know, fact, not just theory? I mean, cellulite definitely exists and I have a bit myself, but it's difficult to really determine that it's seed oil driven or toxin driven. I know that people find uh, improvements when they improve their diet and lifestyle and they make changes. Generally, they notice that their cellulite often improves in appearance. But some people have it a very genetic version, which is really difficult. Doesn't matter what you eat, it'll it'll be there and it's quite stubborn. But I have to say I haven't looked into cellulite in enough. Um I'm fortunate it's at the back, so I don't get to see it, which is yes, quite a good exactly. thing, I we think, isn't it? it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, this is all really fascinating stuff. Stay there, Thivi, because I want to come back in a moment and talk more about specific foods, things that we can eat, things that will help common skin conditions, as well as food allergies. Don't go away. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back to food then, and we were talking just a moment ago about seed oils and about going keto. What about nutritional supplements? You know, as a nutritionist and a dermatologist, are there certain things that we can either add in in supplement form or just generally make sure we've got more of to improve our skin? So things that people often forget, important things that you'd think could be really, you know, commonplace, vitamin D. We all need vitamin D uh, in the winter months at least, and you need it in the summer if you have dark skin or you don't get a lot of sun. And um, people forget to take it. So I use a trick where you can take your whole dose for the week in one day. So vitamin D is fat soluble. So you can take your whole week's dose on a Sunday, for example. If you're, you're joking. Remember it. So, yeah, so yeah. those vitamin D supplements I've got, I could work out my seven day amount and it wouldn't yes. do me any harm at all to swallow the no. whole lot in one go. Nope, and you do that once a week. Wow. So we, I might do that for my kids, that. actually, because yeah. I'm always trying to catch them in the morning before they rush off after breakfast <laughs> and say, right, quick, quick, vitamin D. So you, that's an easy trick. So we use it in the clinic all the time. So if someone's low, we use a very high dose once a week for six weeks to top them up. But there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that uh, with your weekly dose because it's, it gets stored in your fat cells. It gets so, stored, does it? Yeah. And then just released as needed so as you're, needed. you're not going to exactly. overdose on it. No, as long as you're not taking beyond the recommended amounts. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Talk about kind of more extreme things, I guess, that may be new to people, particularly with food. What about things like fasting? You know, is is that going to have an effect either when we're talking about intermittent fasting, so just sort of delaying the window when we have an empty stomach or even more extreme forms that might trigger autophagy when we're fasting for sort of, you know, four or five days? So I think intermittent fasting is a really interesting concept and I've written, I've, I've read a lot of the literature around it and written a review article about it that I'm still working on at the moment. And there is some really fascinating research on the benefits of fasting for many different diseases, whether that's mm. uh, diabetes or whether that's weight, uh, but also more widely than that. So certain autoimmune conditions, they're looking at mm. fasting. Fasting can have a positive impact on the gut bacteria by starving sort of bad bacteria and helping the good bacteria to grow. And it has positive impact on blood sugar, which is important for skin health as well. So we are doing the first study that's going to look at intermittent fasting and skin health. That's a study we're recruiting for at the moment at King's. And I would be very interested to know the results of that at the mm. end. I, I like intermittent fasting. I think you have to be yeah, careful if you do a lot of exercise. I don't think, you know, ex heavy exercise on an empty stomach in the morning isn't always going to be good for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think you, you need to be mindful of what your day looks like. I don't do it every day. So on the weekends, I want to eat breakfast with my kids. So I, sure, you know. same. Yeah. Mm. So I'm flexible, but, but I find it helps my digestion. And the interesting thing, I sleep much better if I'm doing my intermittent fasting. So I normally sort of 11 till 7, I would say, uh, I would eat between 11 and 7. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, spot on. It's very similar to me too. I guess looking at the gut and talking about gut health leads me on to ask you what your take is on pre and probiotics for the skin. So, do you know, I think the best form to optimize your gut health is through diet. And there are some beautiful studies that by my colleagues at Stanford that have shown that just by improving your intake of probiotic foods, you can dramatically improve your gut bacteria and reduce levels of inflammation in the skin. And inflammation is so important for skin health and skin aging. Mm -hmm. um, and so just by dietary changes, I think we can really, really do a lot to improve the gut bacteria. Just having more vibrant fruits and vegetables and eating those probiotic foods and prebiotic foods that feed good bacteria. So prebiotic being sort of the resistant fibres, chicory, asparagus, artichoke, cold potatoes. Precisely, kind of leeks, things that feed the good leaks. bacteria. Mm -hmm. And then we have the probiotic foods that we're very familiar with that, that contain good bacteria. And I really think that through food, we are likely to get a greater diversity um, of intake. But 
In terms of probiotic supplements, there are very few that have been truly tested in the skin. There is one strain in eczema. Um, and really the what's that for, one? Yeah, so that, that one is called Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG. Oh, I love I love rhamnosus, but I'm not sure if I, if I take rhamnosus GG. I, I use it because it's implicated in improved pelvic health. Ah, and, interesting. Uh, and, and bladder infections and, and recurrent UTIs. And I found it super helpful for that. But I'm not sure if it's the GG. H- how many versions of rhamnosus are there? Now you're asking. I have to look it up. But probably several. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm going to do my research too. But very interesting that that can actually be implicated in, in the skin as well. Yes. Yeah, so the studies, the early studies have shown that if little babies are given that and their mums are given that when they're pregnant with those babies, those children uh, have a lower likelihood at going on to develop eczema uh, as they get older. Fascinating. So, so those are smaller studies, yeah. but there are enough of them that the World Allergy Organization actually does say, look, it's reasonable to suggest to pregnant mothers and for little babies who might, you know, who are high risk of eczema. So, for example, they've got brothers or sisters who've got eczema or mum has eczema. So take your probiotic during pregnancy and for the little one to take it for the first six months of life. It's something easy for for mum and baby to do that might help to reduce the amount of eczema they get later on. So I think that that's a a very sensible and easy thing to do. And, you know, it's a very safe thing to do as well. That is fascinating. Yes. I mean, it's certainly not going to do any harm and it may well do some good. And of course, I mean, I have inherited the the atopic gene. So Mm. so do my children. I've, I've had the struggle with eczema in my early years. Now, thankfully, very much under control. But of course, that that can lead, you know, something like eczema. I think, do they call it the atopic march that can then lead on to things like allergic rhinitis, hay yes. fever, even asthma, yes. which, of course, yes. you know, could be life threatening. So, you know, it's quite a serious thing, isn't it? Oh, eczema, totally. And eczema itself is debilitating. I mean, mm. I've had, to, uh, you know, even seeing patients this morning, you've got severe facial eczema and it, it, if it's on your face, it is so visible to the world and that yeah. is just devastating for people. So if there's something easy you can do, like uh, taking a probiotic for even a period of three months to see if there's any improvement, mm-hmm. I, I say go for it. And I have got sure. patients who are now making their own kefir and really looking after nice. them. Nice. Can't buy mine. Love it. Absolutely oh. love it. I mean, I had my kefir this morning. It's just my, my, my daily must-have. I think they should, you know, I think it should be mandatory. I think it should be on every school menu. You know, forget bringing back school milk. Let's have school kefir and see, you know, for mental health and all the rest of it. Uh, as you were saying, for your mental health as well, because this sort of the psychobiome, as they call it, this mental health and the gut microbiome link is... It's just extraordinary, isn't it? It's fascinating. I just love it. And it's so amazing that we're just beginning to discover it now, you know. And and a lot of these foods, of course, are quite ancestral. They're quite ancient, you know, fermented yogurt, milk, buttermilk, you know, even things like kefir, kimchi, sauerkraut, you know, kombuchas from the Caucasus in Eastern Europe. You know, these are things that are a time honoured and now they're being borne out by modern science and analysis. I think, and well, I think that's that's what's fascinating. Every culture has their own type of fermentation. My sister-in-law's from South Korea, and she makes her own kimchi, and we make. I'm from Sri Lanka. We have our own pickles that we make, and um, you know, my patients always tell me about the different fermented foods from wherever they're from. And I think we, there is some ancient wisdom that we need to respect as well. Yeah. So, what sort of foods can your patients expect to find on your kind of to-do list when they leave your clinic? You know, and do you have common themes that run through whether or not you're helping people with acne or eczema, rosacea, psoriasis. Are there commonalities here or is it a very specific diet sort of prescription, if you like, for each one? Well, it's a good question because people always want a diet that is just for general skin health. And I would say the the foundation for healthy skin, I, I do have a very balanced approach to uh, a general diet for good skin health. And then I will tailor that depending on what someone is coming to me with. So, you know, if they have rosacea, we'll look at what the triggers could be in their diet and how can we adjust those. But the foundation for a healthy diet it is the same across the board. And yeah, I like to keep it very rounded and and very, you know, enjoyable because I I love food and I know you love food as well. And so, it's just such so a do. pleasure. And I've seen so many people who've deprived themselves of the joy yeah. of delicious food because they're trying to fix something. And yeah. I just think life's too short for that. <laughs> I agree with you. You know, what talk about excluding things. What about people who are following, you know, really quite extreme restricted eating, you know, or maybe they might be vegan, you know, totally 100% plant-based. 
Can that throw up particular skin issues? Would they be potentially missing certain nutrients? Yes. So with a vegan diet, it can be so nutritious, but you have to do it right and you have to supplement it properly. I mean, we all should be eating more plants. It's, you know, it's excellent to eat lots of different varieties of plants, but there are some nutrients that you cannot get uh, from a plant-based diet and you really need to be mindful of supplementing them. And I have a lot of patients who follow vegan diets and they may have come, for example, with hair shedding in the first couple yeah. of years because it's very common. It's very common. Mm. Yes, it's the B12 or the iron are the two common mm -hmm. triggers um, for hair shedding. So just making sure to take your B12 supplements if you need it. I see about a year or 18 months after a new vegan diet, people who've previously had eczema might see flares because they, if they haven't supplemented properly with an omega-3, and it's not general, it's just a you know, handful of people, but mm. omega-3 is a little bit tricky to get from a vegan diet. The conversion isn't as good. It doesn't good. work, does it? It drives me crazy, actually. You see sort of flaxseed oil supplements being promoted, but the conversion, as you say, to the EPA and the DHA, omega-3 fats in the brain, you know, it's just not happening. It's not happening. And it, it probably is exactly the same as, as in the skin, because I, I do see people who've adopted a vegan diet and feel great on it, but have noticed that their skin has become drier um, or their hair's become more brittle or, you know, eczema and things have flared up. And mm. it's important that they supplement with a, um, an algal omega-3 in those cases, mm. as well as managing whatever the skin concern is. Mm. Why is it that so often our skin reacts when we're allergic to something that we've eaten? It, is, is there some sort of, re I mean, I can understand that our digestive system would, would, would throw a bit of a hissy fit, but, but what causes our skin to break out? I think it's really interesting. And I think, I think our body's just trying to tell us something and our skin is the easiest way to do that, sure, isn't obvious, it? Sure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. look at me. <laughs> I have yes, a problem. Don't, don't do that again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how different is it when certain foods have a more of an indirect effect on the skin? You know, they could perhaps cause a flare-up in a pre-existing condition like eczema or, or rosacea. Yeah, so it could be, see, your skin, sometimes it's really quick and sometimes you eat something you're allergic to, you get itchy and it's easy. We know what the relationship is, but there's a much more nuanced relationship between food and skin. And I guess that's where most of my work and research lies. For example, for a group of people who have acne, milk, particularly low-fat uh, or skim milk, can trigger breakouts. And the root by which that happens is very different from the root by which milk might trigger eczema. So even within skin, the way, yeah, the way that your skin can react to certain foods is very different. So why would skim milk have an effect, an adverse effect on acne, and yet whole milk wouldn't? So the studies show that it's less likely to. So whole less milk likely. is less likely to, mm -hmm. yeah. So some people still notice flare-up with whole milk. So milk naturally contains a hormone called IGF-1. And in the UK and in the EU, we don't add hormones to cow's milk, mm. um, which is often a misconception. But it naturally contains these hormones. And the IGF-1 in some people can trigger breakouts because it can increase sebum production in the skin. And then you wouldn't have that in the whole milk? Uh, so IGF-1 levels are higher in skim milk and lower in whole milk and even lower in cheese and even lower in yogurt. So well, sometimes people go completely dairy-free for their acne and actually maybe they just, maybe the milk didn't agree with them and maybe they're fine with cheese and yogurt. And maybe that is, oh, I mean, it's so fascinating. It's so lovely having you and your great brain <laughs> to talk about that. And actually talking about brain, I'd love to quickly touch on on kind of brain matters and, and whether things like mindfulness, mental health therapies can actually help the skin as well. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the brain-skin connection and uh, I'm a massive advocate for mindfulness meditation. I think it's life-changing, but I think it also helps your skin as well because your skin reacts to stress so quickly. I mean, you know you've got a big event coming up, you will get a spot before that event it is, you know, it's inevitable. So I think we, we, we're understanding this relationship much more. And I think mindfulness for managing stress is so important if you've got something that makes you feel self-conscious as well and feel low and depressed about yourself. Mindfulness is one way to help that. It's not the only way. Certainly not. There are medical treatments. There is uh, therapy, all different tools that you can use. But mindfulness can be a piece of that puzzle. Um, and we use specific techniques for specific skin conditions. So uh, we use techniques called habit reversal for itchy eczema, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy can be useful for 
several skin conditions as well. So we we try to use all the tools at our disposal. That is really fascinating. Having explored all of this, what would you say are your key overarching principles for what to eat then to keep skin healthy? In the book, you call it eating to glow and you actually spell that out with the initials G-L-O-W, don't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I made that up to help people to remember it a bit more easily. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, but greens is fruits and vegetables. It doesn't just mean all green things, all fruits and vegetables. Um, that's a G. L is lean protein, and that could be meat, fish, eggs. It could be your vegetarian, vegan sources of protein, anything you want in that L category. But we need those proteins because our skin collagen fundamentally it is made of amino acids. O is uh, oils and healthy fats. Excellent. Um, and those things, yes, that you <laughs> yeah. love and that yeah. are so good for us. And then finally, whole grains that people, you know, they often demonize to the carbohydrate category, but lovely, rich whole grains are full of nutrients. Our gut bacteria loves them and yes. they keep us full as well. Yeah. And of course, you, you, you find your micro trace minerals in there as well, don't you? Things like magnesium, zinc, for example, so good for the skin. So what skin saving staples then do you think we should be keeping in our kitchen cupboards? And, and interestingly, I'd like to ask you if any of them can be used topically on the skin. Can we get double duty out of them? Do you know, so uh, yogurt definitely is used as a face mask. The lactic acid in the yogurt is a natural enzymatic exfoliant. Turmeric is widely used in face masks. And it's not going to make um, our skin yellow? No, it rinses off. Yeah, that, that slight tinge, it'll give you a slight tinge, but it does rinse off. Uh, and that's because it's anti-inflammatory and antioxidants. You could mix that with some wild honey, for example, and that's quite a nice little face mask if you want to. Lovely, and then eat the remainder. That's what I Oh, do. delicious, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, avocados, of course, rich in healthy fats, very, very lovely and moisturising. But you don't, you don't need to dig out all the foods from your kitchen Kitchen cover, but yeah, they're, they do, certainly serve double duty. Yeah, I, interesting that you talk about yogurt and lactic acid. I remember years and years ago, gosh, back in the day, talking to Eileen Malone, who was the very famous facialist mother of Joe Malone. And, and Joe, of course, have went on and used a lot of her recipes and ideas. And when you went to see Eileen for a, for a face treatment, the very first thing that she would do is, is cover your face in yogurt and massage it well into the skin before doing anything else. That's fascinating. Mm, That's so same. interesting. And of course, Cleopatra, you know, bathing in acid yes, milk. Presumably yes. in that hot climate, it would have been fermented. And she yes. would have been covering herself in lactic <laughs> acid from top to toe. <laughs> That's what we need to We need to uh, get ourselves a, a buffalo milk bath. <laughs> oh, yeah, bring it on. Well, finally, give us some inspiration then. What are a few of your personal favourite skin-friendly meals? Um, so I love curries. So I have um, a dal a lot and I love uh, lentils of all sorts. And I try and make the writer with kefir just to give myself a little bit of a gut boost. Love um, that. Yeah, with some whole grain. You could even do sourdough chapatis if you want to. You could have it with the brown rice. You could, you know, just a, even a, those little pouches of brown rice are really good as a standby because they're quick and easy if you don't have time or mixed grains. So that's a super easy store cupboard staple, I would say. And I keep tons of it in the freezer. And I love tagines where I can throw in lots of different vegetables. I love roasted tomato soup. I have a recipe for that in the book as well, because tomatoes are full of lycopene. Lycopene is excellent for skin health. It's used in skincare products as well. But when you roast the tomatoes in olive oil, actually, that boosts their lycopene content, which is one of the tricks in that recipe. And just like you, I love a kefir yogurt uh, uh -huh. breakfast. And I, I love that you make it with your little bit of uh, grated apples some nuts and seeds because you, you, that is glow. Mm -hmm. That is it. You've got some mm -hmm. lean protein. You're looking after your gut bacteria. You've got some healthy fats there. You've got some fruits as well. You know, that's a really complete meal. Love it. Thivi, you're making me hungry. I love your book. Uh, <laughs> well, if anybody wants you. more information, it's called Skin Food, Your Four-Step Solution to Healthy, Happy Skin, which is out now. And Dr. Thivi, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. Thank you so much, Liz. 
Well, big thanks there. And what a fascinating look, don't you think, at the role that food plays in the condition of our skin. Thank you so much to Dr. Thivy. And I can tell you that in a few weeks, we will return to the subject of skin, looking particularly at the role hormones play as we age. Yes, of course, good old hormones. Make sure that you are notified when that episode is available. You can click the follow button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on right now. Oh, and if you prefer to listen to that and all the other episodes ad-free, you can now also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts for a very small monthly fee and you get early access to the episodes as well. Well, foods aren't just for the building blocks of our skin, they build our brains too. That's what I spoke to Kimberly Wilson about on the podcast recently. And Joe has been in touch about that episode saying, This was so interesting. My dad has dementia, so it's a very scary prospect. I have my shopping list at the ready. After that episode, I take omega-3s and I eat lots of nuts and seeds. But I've read that too many omegas can cause inflammation in the body as well. It's all very confusing, but I love learning from you. Yeah, very interesting, wasn't it? It's a great episode. If you'd like more on that and omega-3s, do please take a listen to my chat with Kimberly Wilson. And I do hope that conversations with people like Kimberly and Thivy go some way towards demystifying it for all of us. Well, if you'd like to get in touch, at Lizelle Wellbeing on social media is where to find us. I am also on there at Lizelle Me too. Don't forget to sign up to the free weekly newsletters. These are jam-packed with just so much of the good stuff. The Liz Our Wellbeing editorial newsletter comes out each and every Friday. And then the Liz Loves discount code newsletter, which is separate, filled, oh my gosh, with genuinely good money-saving and cost-cutting deals. That comes out on a Tuesday. Now, you do need to sign up to both of them individually to allow us to send these to you. So make sure that you're signed up to both. Just head over to LizOurWellbeing.com to get yours. Okay, until the next time we chat. Stay very well. Bye-bye. The Liz Earle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.